Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning, taking your calls at 801 575 You can text us at 57500. We do have a couple of listeners, Tom, and we just told them about uh, all the recommendations for grow boxes, and we have a couple saying, okay, but where do we get all this information that you guys have been talking about? We've posted a fact sheet about raised bed construction, but if you will do an internet search of extension and raised beds, it'll bring up all sorts of information on how to fill it, what to fill it with, construction materials, and things of that nature. So you posted the article that you and JD wrote on the Facebook page. That's the one that we'll uh, find there. It's one that someone else had written, but there is an article up. It's from the University of Minnesota. Okay, but you two came up with your own recommendations. Where is that fact sheet well, that JD Gunnell is talking f- about? There's no fact sheet. I want a fact this sheet. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I did want to mention really quickly before we go to our caller. Okay. That another reason we put compost in in the fall is especially if you are getting compost from local sources or, you know, you're using dairy manure or something like that. A lot of times compost can be a bit salty. Mm -hmm. And so when you put your compost down in the fall, you have all winter for rain and snow to leach those salts through And J.D. mentioned that he does not seal the bottom of his raised beds. And one of those reasons is that those salts need to be able to leach out of the container Mm -hmm. or the raised beds you've built. So another reason to do that is if you have a compost that happens to be just a bit salty, those salts will likely leach through and you'll be good to go in the spring. Okay. I want to also mention to our listeners that we have a great producer, Michelle, every week writes articles on a lot of the features that we do at the top of each hour, and she will be putting together an article on what you've said. But people still are not satisfied because J.D. said that he has written recommendations, Ton. So uh, we will get J.D. to to email his recommendations for those and also i also if you if you tuned in in the middle of our uh, conversation about these raised beds you can also go back and listen to the podcast uh the greenhouse show is on podcast so when we get done every day uh I'm not sure if Michelle does our podcast or who puts the podcast up, but you can actually go back and listen to segments that you may have missed at KSL News KSLpodcast.com, or you can go to the KSL News Radio app and you'll find the podcast there as well. We need to go to our phone lines. Barbara is waiting on the line and she wants to talk about grow boxes. Good morning, Barbara. Um, we 
we I just comment that we started this last year. We we switched from I used to call my husband a farmer because he had to rototill the garden. We switched to grow boxes last year, and it's been amazing. We get more produce. It's easier to take care of. It's been an amazing transition. I gave him a little space. He kept some corn that he can run his rototiller through. But the other grow boxes, we, we, we used them for everything else. And I'm getting more produce. And the manure thing really works. We read about that and put it on in the fall. And then all that lovely snow we had in Utah soaked that down and enriched that soil. And things came up growling this year. It's easier to weed with the grow boxes. It's easier to reach the plants. It's easier to control. Then we put in, of course, a drip line just basic from Lowe's or whatever. And it's been a great blessing. We love the grow boxes. Great. Barbara, thank you so much for your call this morning. Did you have a question uh-huh. as well? I, I don't. Okay. I well, think I'm good. I'm glad that you tuned in, and I'm glad that you shared your experience. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh-huh. And the number for you to call eight zero one five seven five eight two five five. Phone lines are open. I, I should, we should tell our listeners that we love it when they chime in. I mean, I love seeing people's texts when we're talking about some of these. Even when you don't have, you know, a basic question, it's nice to know that you're listening and then it's nice to hear your experiences as well. Yes. And so I've used raised beds. I One of the most interesting methods of raised beds I've seen, witnessed, seen, observed. We got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, English like is I hard I couldn't come up with framework earlier. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay. We had some gardeners at the Cache Valley Community Gardens I was working with, and they put in their plot, was a 10 by 20 plot, they bought straw bells and filled the straw bells with, um, so they used straw bells to make the raised beds, Mm -hmm. and they filled them with soil, and then they grew, and then at the end of the season, they just spread everything out. And we plowed it under, and the next year that spot was a great place to grow plants. And so it was a little expensive, but I thought that was creative. I've heard of people trying to grow in straw bells themselves. That can get hard to do Mm. because you have to have the straw bell partially rotted before you do, and there's other things. But you can get creative. You can make your own raised beds and not even have to have a border around it or a framework to hold it in. And so what you can do is create a raised bed that's, say, slightly sloped three or four feet wide and just move the soil up from the sides. And then when you mix in your compost, you just get a spade or a shovel and carefully work it into your raised bed. You don't want to destroy it, but you also don't need to get the compost very thoroughly mixed in. If there's still a little on the surface, it'll work its way in just fine. So you don't even need in a lot of situations, uh, you can use your native soil and just mix in 50 one-to-one compost by volume. Do that every year, but you can make them on your own and not even have to do the borders. All right. Our next listener wants to know, Ton, when is the best time to plant pansies for spring? In the fall, late September into early October. Yeah, it's still kind of hot for pansies. It is. They and it's not a, like They the are still being grown in the greenhouses, but you can find pansies for fall planting fairly easily through October. One other thing on those raised beds, J.D. mentioned that construction lumber like the fir, pine, spruce that you would use to build a home. Mm-hmm. I've used that to build raised beds, and it will last five or six years. But one thing I have done, and it is some work, 
is to clean out the soil from the raised bed in the fall. And I'll just pile it on a tarp next to the raised bed or the, the container I'm growing in. And I'll kind of brush, let it dry out for a day or two and then just brush the soil off from the wood and I'll get linseed oil and I will spray it on the interior and exterior of the raised bed to seal it up and then put the soil back in. And doing that, I've been able to get 10 to 12 years out of a raised bed with just construction grade lumber, but it's that cleaning it out, the inconvenience of it that may not make it worth it to people to do. Okay. There are people still asking where they're going to get that fact sheet. And the fact sheet that is up is on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. And that does have the information. If J.D. has one specific, we will get it posted. Okay. It may be after 11, so I can call him to get a link. <laughs> we thank J.D. for joining us today. Let's go to Marianne in Provo. She wants to share her experience as well with raised beds. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I put in a, a raised bed about 10 years ago, and it was wonderful, all the things that people talked about. However... After about five years, and we didn't have a, put a liner in the bottom, I got morning glory that came up, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And so uh, after 10 years, we took out all the soil, and then I put in a liner in the bottom so that I didn't get morning glory again. So we didn't talk about putting in a liner and how yeah, that could help. People will use, like, a pond liner, the, the rubber sheeting. Oh, uh-huh. And that's worked. It's thick enough. And if you have to do that, you can. Uh, you do maybe, if the beds aren't deep enough, you'd want that bed a good two feet off the ground. But a liner, if you have bindweed problems or something, a liner can help. All right, Marianne, thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, let's. We better take a break, and then we'll come back with uh, the next two calls. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Maria and Ton with you for this final segment of the show to try and get through as many of your comments and questions as we possibly can here. Uh, still talking about raised beds, Ton. This person would like to know the, the pros and cons of using recycled plastic for raised beds. Well, plastic, I wouldn't, I'm not a huge fan of putting a liner in a raised bed. Mm-hmm. It actually won't protect the wood much longer than not having it because of how wood evaporates or moves out of the wood. Your their water moves out of the wood you're using. And so I'm a big fan of using plastic to garden. I usually will put my the last several years I will grow through black plastic, but the problem is you can't recycle it. And so sometimes you can save the plastic if it's UV resistant, reuse it for a couple of years in just small areas. But I prefer to have soil to wood contact if I can. And if you can afford it, use the redwood or cedar. But if you can't, there's that method of just taking the the mix out, cleaning up the wood a bit and hitting it every year with the linseed oil. Okay. Spencer is on the line in West Valley. Good morning, Spencer. What was your question? 
So I hate to change the topic on no you, worries. but I have uh, I have a question as it relates to shooters coming up from a neighbor's uh, quaking aspen. I've got them all over my yard, and it seems like it's getting worse each year. And I just I don't know how to stop them from coming up, if it's even possible. It's not possible to keep them from coming up, but you can slow them down a bit. I uh, you can clip them and then use a sucker stopper or there's a few other competing brands and it'll slow them down. It's a plant hormone that just says, Hey, don't come up here again. You know, so it doesn't stop them from another location, but it will at least be moderately effective. I mean, the only other thing you can really do is just, I mean, I'm not an attorney, but those roots are trespassing into your property and so if you tried clipping the roots, it may slow them down, but you would get a lot of them coming right up at the fence line and it could harm the health of the aspens. And so if you're, especially if you like your neighbors, I don't know if that's the thing you would do, but you, at some point, if it's so bad that it's keeping you from being able to mow or garden, then you may need to speak to the neighbors about it and see if they're willing to take them out or plant some different trees in preparation to take them out or something. Yeah, he's got them come up in his yard, too, so maybe that's an option. Maybe yeah. he doesn't like them either. <laughs> right. Okay, thank All you. All right, Spencer, thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, next listener, Ton, says, what spreader sticker is best to try and help kill sedge? Well, I think that I would not – the spreader – any spreader sticker will be okay. They're fairly similar. But there is a product made by Ortho that's just called Ortho Sedge Killer, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I would consider using it, and it'll do a pretty good job. It's safe for your grass. And if you have sedges coming up, I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but it could be a sign that you have really clay soil, plus there's too much water, there's a lack of drainage. But those sedges only come up where you have a permanent water source and it's permanently marshy. And so if that could be remedied, that would be something. But the ortho product is relatively safe compared to a lot of other like sedge hammer, and it does a pretty good job. Okay. Laura Lynn is on the line in Springville. Good morning. What was your question? Good morning. I have these beautiful raised beds my husband put in for me, and we got great tomatoes, plants just flourishing wonderfully, but they are not turning red. They're just green. I would maybe consider backing off on the water a hair. How often are the tomatoes watered? I haven't watered them for like eight weeks. Oh, but okay. But prior to that, they, they might have gotten um, too much. Where but are they getting water from? Well, they I was watering them weekly. Okay. And then sometimes when it was the super hot days, I might have sprinkled a little more during the week, but weekly. And then... As it got, you know, more, the the rain, we had a bit of rain. So that, that kept them going. Yeah. But, well, I will say that they will ripen up. You will need to be patient, but uh, just be patient with them and just wait. That's the only thing you can really do. Ton has okay. the same problem, by the way. A yes, lot of green I've got tomatoes a right ton now. ton of green tomatoes. Okay. And I'm just so, I'm wandering out there kind of saying, you guys could ripe in any time. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I'm talking to them all the time, but they're not listening. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, great. I, I really appreciate it because 
I want to be red. I know. I appreciate your call. Thanks so much okay. for calling okay. and for listening. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next listener says they have a peach tree with multiple grafts. Now the peaches are the peaches are getting spots of what looks like rust that are eating into the fruit and eventually rotting the whole fruit. Uh, this happens mostly around the stem. Any thoughts? Any type of prevention? With the monsoonal moisture we've been getting the last month, uh, brown rot can become a problem. And I'd have them look up brown rot. Mm-hmm. And if the entire peach is rotting and leaving almost like a mummy fruit on the tree, that's most likely what it is. And they may need to do some fungicidal spraying. Okay. Grant is on the line in West Jordan. Good morning, Grant. What was your question? Hello. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a... 20-plus-year-old blue spruce that has been doing great. It's some 40 feet tall. That's great. Uh, There was new growth this year on the ends, but thousands and millions of needles have fallen from the inner sanctions of the tree. Have I got a disease or what? Well, do you still have a good 18 inches of branch with needles on the branch? No. Okay. The, 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 inner, the inner branches, they drop needles like crazy. I've never seen it drop that many. Well, there is a spruce needle cast disease that can wipe out last year's growth. And so the spruce develops a habit of having the six inches to foot of growth of this year's growth. And the next year it gets wiped out and it shoots more growth. And the spruce gradually declines. But for the tree to drop all of them... That quickly, there may be some root problems where it has a disease or something. Oh, uh, okay. Nothing I can put into the ground to help it out? No, just is how often is the spruce watered? Oh, it's next to a canal, so it probably gets a little from there, and then they water it about once every seven to ten days. How deeply? Uh, three to four, five inches maybe. Okay, so you need to be watering that tree to a depth of at least 18 inches to 2 feet. Oh, my gosh. Weekly. And so it could be a drought response. And so I would water it in really well every week to 10 days and make sure it doesn't go into fall drought stressed and then start doing that next year. And that could help. Okay. I'll take that up. Thank you. Yeah, the spruce trees are not drought hardy. So... Okay, they like water. They do. They don't want to be drowned to death, but they like to be deep watered every week to 10 days to a depth of around 18 inches. Wow. Okay. That's right, probably Grant. my problem. Thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, next person wants to know why their peaches might be the size of apricots this year. They say they have clay soil. They did uh, They did thin them. Maybe not enough thinning, they're asking. They said they're like... Uh, last year they were like double the size. Yeah, probably a lack of deep watering. Those fruit trees like to be watered every week to 10 days, about 18 inches deep. And if they're on lawn sprinklers, you do that maybe once a month or every three weeks. Okay. And then a lack of thinning. All right. I'm 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 squeezing Sue in here. Good morning, Sue. What was your question this morning? Good morning. I am a fan of grow boxes and the older my back gets, the bigger fan I am. But I'm worried about the feral cats using it as their cat box. How how caustic is that to my plants, and how 
do I need to take all the it soil needs, out? Or no, do I... but you do need, when you see it, you need to take it out because there can be parasites in that that you could get and other things. That so, I can get. Yes. And so if you have dogs from or cats using the restroom in your in it, beds, Or from harvesting. Okay. So yeah, all just right. clean it out when you but see not it. not from I, harvesting the, well, the fruit. It's splashing issues and things like that that we've been seeing like okay. in Lehigh, and so it does need to be cleaned out. All right. Okay, I appreciate your help. Thank you All so right. much. Sue, thanks so much for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton, says they've planted small watermelons. How do they know when they're ready to pick? So there will be a tendril or a curlicue two or three inches behind the melon on the stem. So follow the stem back to the curlicue. If the curlicue is dry, and brown, that's one sign. Turn the melon over, and if the color on the underside of the melon has gone from white to a creamy yellow, that's the other indicator. Okay. Uh, next sister wants to know how to manage the weeds that have overgrown their raised beds. Pull them out. I I don't know what else to say. Other they than could spraying them. And- they could spray them out with a Roundup or something, and wait a couple of weeks before they garden. But those, you know, they, we had that person suggest putting in the liner if it's like bindweed or white top coming in. But there's not really just this one magical solution, unfortunately. Right. Oh, well, again, the show has come to a very quick conclusion. Uh, left a few people waiting on questions. We tried to get to all of your questions and calls. Uh, again, if you'd like to go back and look at our Facebook page, you can see all of our features for the morning, including the plant of the week, which was fall mums. We talked about wasps in the garden today and, again, building raised beds. I want to remind people, BYU fans, uh, tonight, BYU's pregame coverage, BYU's taking on Sam Houston State. It's the opener. Start The pregame coverage starts at 6, and it's sponsored by UCCU Love Where You Bank. Bank. And, Ton, we are off next week because of BYU. We'll see you in two weeks. Have a great weekend. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.